They say the truth hurts, the truth hurts So you bout to feel pain, and I gotta do work God said I gotta do work, cause it's off with the name Savage Truth, Savage Truth It's the Savage Truth, the Savage Truth Good evening, good evening. Welcome to Table Talk with World Victory. I'm Pastor Roy, and this is my wife. Lady Kina. It's nice to see y'all this evening. And we're going to give just a, probably less than a minute uh, for, for everyone to come in, but want to thank everybody for joining us on this evening. And we will get started uh, speaking about the burden of lies on, on tonight. So Get your fingers ready. We need some engagement and in, uh, in interaction. So for those that are out there in the comments, uh, make sure uh, you drop a hello. If you're if you're outside of North Carolina, let us know where you're um, where you're joining us from, and we look forward to having a good conversation here this evening. All right. So, um, like I said, thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to uh, we're going to have a, an interesting conversation. It's going to be some uh, be some some real moments. Might might get a get a bit tense. I know we just came out of the series talking about um, silent killers. So when I got asked to to fill in uh, for this evening, this is something that's just uh, been on my heart that I had an opportunity to even share with some of our young adults this past uh, this past Sunday. So um, so yeah. So I'm looking forward. To having this conversation. Good evening, uh, Miss Miss Lakeisha. Um, and and yeah, so what we're gonna do first, we'll just start. Um, I'll allow my wife to open us up in prayer, and then we'll get right into the topic. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you tonight just overjoyed, Lord God, to be in the presence of um, one another, Lord God, as we embark on this um, new study on tonight, Lord. We ask that you would just open our hearts, God, and our minds to receive all that you have for us, Lord. Help us to examine our hearts and to see where we've been um, just having um, dishonesty in our in our hearts and in our mouths, Lord God. And Father, I ask that you would just please um, bless all those who are just making it on tonight, God. We just pray that they would just press on. And Father, we also ask a special prayer for those that are just um, battling COVID, God, including our first family, the Stark family, Lord God. We ask that you would just um, move in their home right now, Lord God, that you would just help them as they are um just trying to get well, Lord God. We pray for healing over their bodies. We pray, God, for complete healing over their bodies. We pray, Lord, that they can get the rest and the um, the medication they need, Lord God, so that they can have complete healing in Jesus' name. And we just ask that you just um, continue to draw people to pray for them and to keep them lifted up in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Oh, I see my see my sister Maya there and uh, sunshine. So we got uh, Georgia in the house as well. So um, so like I said, what we're going to talk about today is the burden of lies. Right. So, um, you know, people say stuff like, you know, tell the truth and shame the devil. But in in the in the opposite of that. Right. Like, I mean, you know, so I'm asking the question, like, is the opposite of that, like to tell a lie is to flatter the devil? Like we normally say it in one direction and we we put the emphasis on the truth. Um, but we don't normally talk about sometimes the the long term impact um, and the and the detrimental impact of us telling lies and not being honest. Right. Because when we when we look at truth, especially in our society um, and, and, you know, in our culture, especially in American um, in, in American culture. Right. Like truth has become very fluid and flexible. Right. Like we you know, white lies are just expected. Right. Like that's just the normal thing. And be like, oh, it's just a little lie. Um, right. We we kind of we kind of find ways to navigate around rules. We find ways to break them or even at time bend them right sometimes we we can lie by omission we can lie by uh commission when that's intentional but we rarely reflect on the long-term impact of the things that we're saying right so 
there's this fear of getting caught in a lie. So that's that instance where somebody like catches you saying something that's not true. And that's normally the fear that most people have. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, um, you know, they say, you know, the who you really are is what you do when no one's watching. And I think the same thing, like a lot of times, you know, where a lot of people are kind of have a tendency to be more honest when they're in situations where they think they can get caught not being honest. Right. But what I want to talk about today is that what happens when you seemingly get away with the lie, right? Like when you're not caught in that moment, when um, when the lies that you tell or the stories that you share create a narrative, right? That then just starts feeding another part of your life. Because in the long term, those lies that seem insignificant or that we think we got past because we didn't get caught in that moment, right? They have a long-term effect on our relationships, ultimately on our minds and on our reality. Like what winds up being the reality that we can live in daily. And so the first scripture that I'll talk about tonight is from Proverbs chapter 12 and it's verse 22. And that verse says that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Right. So, you know, so so God, you know, continually says. Right. And I mean, it's just reflected in his word. It's reflected in his honesty. Right. And modeling it for us as a leader. It's reflected in Jesus's honestly, honesty, sometimes savage honesty uh, that people didn't appreciate. But um, but at the end of the day, like us being honest and it's just one of the ways that we love each other and achieve um, achieve clarity, achieve relationship. One of the ways that we dwell in fellowship. So there are going to be three points or kind of three areas that we're going to talk about. Um, and as we're going, if you guys have ideas or thoughts, I'll ask some questions. We want to see your responses in the comments as well. So for our first point, I want to talk about the fact that lies create what, what I'm going to call dueling realities. So the first point is lies creating dueling realities. And my wife will read the scripture from that, which is from James chapter one, verse five through eight. Okay. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he would receive will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Right. So, and, and it's really that last scripture that we're always familiar with, right? That a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so when I talk about this concept of like dueling realities, there's a, there's a term in like psychology and neuroscience that's called cognitive overhead. So, they use this terminology basically, and it's defined as the additional effort and concentration necessary to maintain several tasks or trails at one time. So when we talk about narrative, when we talk about lies here creating different realities, I'm really talking about narrative lies, right? So a narrative lie is basically a false story. Right, right. Right? So it's the you know it's 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 lying about where you were last night. It's lying about uh, why you didn't do your homework. It's lying about um, basic things. Why you were late to work? Like why you didn't pay a bill? <laughs> you know, handing you know I used to get you know you hand the phone to your kids and tell them that you're, <laughs> you're not, not home. home right. um, so when the bill collectors call, so there's these um, there's this this narrative aspect of lying where you're basically creating a story um, that's not based in truth. Right. And then what that does is it creates competing realities. And so like the definition of cognitive overhead talks about your mind being overwhelmed or the amount of concentration that it takes. And I'm going to call that level of concentration like a mental burden because you have to keep up with the different trails that you set forward in your mind. So like you got to, you know, from one of our favorite shows, like you got to keep the lie alive. Right. Because once you tell it like that story now has its own reality. And since that story isn't rooted in truth, now you have like a mental pathway. You have a mental storyline that you have to maintain because that lie now exists. So what do, what do you what do you think about that? And where have you seen this <clears throat> kind of play out? 
I, you know, I was just being silly right now, but when we think about like the whole Marvel series and they have those different dimensions of these different storylines taking place. Yeah. It's like what you said. It's like once you commit to this narrative, you got to roll with it until the end. Like even if you see it falling apart, you still trying to keep adding more lies and more lies and more lies. And you create this like new reality. Um, and I see it play out. um everywhere like through politics you know it starts with back like a few years ago alternative facts now we we see things play out right in front of our faces and we know that it's not true but certain groups of people or yeah they just have this narrative that they keep going with that yeah. is dividing dividing brother and sister families like i just said uh churches um it's just, it's very evident. Yeah, and it's and when you talk about things like politics, right? You you have people that'll that'll take a stance and be like, "I'm absolutely innocent," right? right. Like I didn't do it. There's no way I didn't do it. You know, I, I I had nothing to do with that woman, right? I I didn't have an affair, and like they stick with that narrative. They stick with that story until there's evidence that contradicts that. So like. When that story collides with the truth, because people are out here seeking and trying to find truth, when that evidence when that evidence conflicts with that story, then there's just like this, you know, there's like this calamity. There's just this crash of then the question is for the people who have been trusting you, the people who believe that story, that narrative like pathway that you were on, that reality. Then the question is, what else in this reality is false right right and i think this is why it's especially dangerous when it comes to us being christians because your witness is tied to your reality yeah. right so like our identity the way that we exist the way that we live is supposed to be a representation of christ so if we have one of these narrative stories that's running through our life right and then you know you and we see it all the time you have a you know somebody had a great church but then he was a tax evader mm. right and so you were lying on your taxes and now that ruins your witness, right? Like you were a great evangelist, but then, you know, then X, X happened. And so the story that people that people attach to that is associated a, a lot with your um, with your identity and with the other things that are going on in your life, like it's dangerous as Christians to have some of these competing realities, because when they collide, Right. Not only do they ruin our reputation and, you know, people can now not trust you. And now there's all these questions and people trying to seek evidence, but it it disrupts your witness. Exactly. Right. Like it doesn't it gives a very bad um, it gives a very bad representation of your witness to the um, just to the public. Right. It because put, now. Yeah. Yeah. It puts a bad taste in people's mouths about Christians, about God. And then they'll say, well, you know, they were um, doing wrong in their church and leading people astray with the whole tax situation. Now we, you know, we can't trust Christians because they're always lying. It just look, makes everybody look bad. Yeah. And then as Christians, right, we're, we're a part of a collective body. And so in that collective, in that collective body, the problem is, is that you also run into situations where now that's being reflected on everyone. Exactly. Right. So somebody's narrative story, you know, we've seen this with like the abuse that happened in the Catholic church. And then that became the overall image of the Catholic church right. was abuse because some people were lying and covering up um, and not being um, and not being, you know, forthright and, and holding people accountable. So it also creates, you know, it, it unfortunately creates like a group identity where it's hard for your individual reality to now exist outside of the storyline that was created because of somebody else's lies. And I don't know if it's just me or I know we encounter this all the time where you have to deal with the, you have to deal with like the competing I, public idea of what a Christian is. Exactly. Right. Anyone who see me at church, you can see the hats behind my head. Like I wear stuff all the time that says I'm a Christian. Um, and I kind of get confronted on what that means because of the storyline that a lot of people have bought into around what Christians are. So I think that's a challenge as well. And um, yeah, and like, and, but at the same time, when we talk about cognitive overhead, right, there's these, 
there's this opportunity to where so say for instance you know well just a user uh like a uh in an easy scenario you're at work and you kind of spin a story at work right like oh i did this this is what i did yesterday right or or something and so you kind of create a narrative story around one group of people and then so what some psychologists or researchers do say they say that that causes one ethical reality so right so you're you know you're at work you you know somebody talks about oh i went out last night and i had some drinks and i had a good time or whatever else and that may have actually genuinely been what they did but then that creates one ethical reality but then you'll have somebody that'll get around their church friends mm -hmm. and when your church friends ask you what you did last night you was praying and reading your Bible, <laughs> right? So you didn't go to the movies. You didn't go to the comedy club. You didn't have a glass of wine um, because your people are concerned about being judged in a situation or scenario. So then, I, I mean, then we lie, right? Somebody asked me what I did last night. I should give an honest answer, right? I should, I should give a, I should give an honest response. But when I give those two answers, I create two different ethical realities. Right. Like some people live in one ethical reality where they don't use profanity, where they they don't curse. Some people live in an ethical reality where all they do is go to church and read their Bible and they have no other um, they have no other interests or or things to do because we're we're kind of compartmentalizing the parts of ourselves that we're honest about in different scenarios. Um, but what we're doing is in unintentionally or intentionally, we're lying to other people about who we are. So then we start running into problems when those lives cross over. And that's why you see a lot of people who avoid that crossover, right? Like they got their regular friends and they church friends. They got their work friends and they church friends. They got people in their neighborhood and then people at their church. And a lot of times these groups don't overlap or intersect. And often they don't overlap because people have different ethics and different ethical standards in each one of those groups. Because we get used to just telling, we get used to telling people what they want to hear, and we get used to not trying to make people feel comfortable, and we get used to lying. Like we get used to lying about stuff. I remember being in college, and you know, you were around one group of people, you said this; you were around another group of people, you said that, um, and it just becomes easier to to not be consistent and create friction or any kind of disruption. It becomes easier to just try to adapt. To whatever group that you're in so you don't stand out but what that does is it creates lanes that you're in that when those lanes cross over or collide calamity calamity yeah it's kind of like that little meme or video that was going around talking about code switching like how you're uh, one way on the street one way at work really proper when you answer the phone when you're out with your friends when you're with your church people and then, like you said, when everything comes to a, a bud and it's about to explode, then you're scrambling because no one knows who your true identity is. You yeah. know what I mean? And so I think that's really unfortunate because we should be able to be who we are everywhere we go in every circumstance. And if just me personally, if you're super, super like, I don't know, um, prudent here and then wild and crazy here and when you're around your prudent friends you can't be your true self then you know you have to really examine like what am i doing because you're creating a false narrative like everywhere you go no one really knows you don't even know who you really are yeah and when we talk about burden right and i mean the burden of lies like there is an actual like burden on your mind right like i said cognitive overhead like trying to make sure that um and like pastor sean said code switching um a uh, brother brother um L, uh, brother charles said through lakeisha that lies are thoughts and actions compiled into a conversation which has negative communication and it's fed by negative reactions right and so when you when you and so just to paint another one of those examples like when you're in that scenario and you know that you talk a certain way around these people and you told a certain story to these people and you know but you act a certain way around these people if they ever come together mm. your brain is actually trying to keep up with which path am i on and which one i don't want to overlap 
right? Like, and it's almost like the, it, anyone else feel like the relief when like a surprise is finally over, right? Like <laughs> right. when you, when you're trying to plan like a surprise birthday party, but then you can't say something about that day, right? So you're like, you're like, oh, I can't talk about Friday because I know we're trying to plan something for you on Friday. So let me not ask about Friday. So then I don't have to lie because then I got to try to remember to lie. But even that burden for like that short period of time where you're trying to maintain a secret or a surprise, like you mentally do the same thing when you tell a lie and it creates one narrative and one ethical reality. And then you have to cross over and interact with other people from your other realities. Right. And just again, as simple as the question of what did you do last night? If you told three different people what you did last night, your brain has to remember what three people you shared those different facts with. And then your brain is trying to make sure that it doesn't that it doesn't create a false connection from somebody else. So your brain's trying to make sure like, OK, I told them this. this so I can't share that piece of information with them. And it's a lot of it's a lot of burden. It's a lot of cognitive overhead and our memory only has so much space and at some point it starts getting burdened and that's why people are anxious and that's why people have you know people are struggling and people are frustrated because your mind actually can't keep up with the with the number of you know with the amount of information that it's trying to keep separate because that's you know they're, they're not separate cpus for any of my computer people out there your brain is one functioning device <laughs> with different segments and, and, and hemispheres. But so like when you when you keep doing that kind of stuff, like, like I said, intentionally or unintentionally, um, it creates it creates a burden physically on your brain. It creates a burden on your brain. Um, and that that term is called cognitive overhead. And it's also referred to in different ways as cognitive load, if anybody wants to look that up later. Right. Because this, you know, and we're talking about them overlapping stuff, like, right, this is why we probably, you know, why some people won't invite co-workers to our homes, because we act a different way at work than we do in our neighborhood. And so, you know, just wrapping up the dueling realities, like, like you're saying, if I was somewhere at a, at a family function, and, you know, our family was uh, labeled the church friends, and so when the person's family came over, they were noticing how they were trying to, the host was being a little extra and yeah. trying to be different. And the family called them out on this. Like, don't be trying to act all different. cute, different <laughs> in front of your church friends. Be yourself. <laughs> and we must, you know, make sure that we're not having these um, dueling realities that we are first being identified in Christ everywhere we go. Not just, um, you know, I don't know, volleying between the two re different realities. We have to be in line with Jesus and um, not creating these false narratives. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to go uh, transition to our to our second point. And I appreciate the the comments and the, and the feedback we're seeing there. So on our second point, second point is that lies are used to control. Okay, so here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37, it says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Amen. And then um, also in Romans uh, chapter 16, verses 17 uh, to 18, it says, now I urge you, brethren, note those who call, cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned, um, which you learn and avoid them for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but by their own belly in smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. And that's, this is like one of my, my foundational scriptures that I say, I know my wife knows that, but it's like, let your yes be your yes 
and your no be your no. Like the, the way that people lie and use information to try to manipulate and control is so inherent in how we function as people that I think it's often overlooked, right? And to use a very simple example of things we deal with, right? Like I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm gonna throw Royce out there. Royce turns five on Friday, but even last night, right? Like we knew that the our, you know, our dinner treat, we were gonna go to Pelican Snowball and he wanted to get off from, he wanted to get from the table and go to Pelican Snowball. So he decided to tell us his stomach didn't feel well. So he could stop eating his dinner. And he was lying. His stomach felt fine. Um, but he was like, but he was trying to control us to say, okay, like I'm ready to be done with dinner and I want to move on to the snack, you know, or to the treat that I wanted to have. And I had to let him know. I'm like, you're lying. And I, I said this to my four-year-old, like you're lying, trying to get your way, but that's not going to work because you're trying to, you're trying to get me to not make you eat dinner but you're telling me your stomach hurts. So why would I go give you a Pelican snowball if your stomach hurt? Right. And I mean, but this is just the natural thing that you have, you know, that in our human nature, right. Because our, our, our original sin that caused us to fall was trying to determine good for ourselves. So when we have what we think is good, we're willing to manipulate lie and try to control other people to make other people do what we feel is good as well, right? And so that's why I'm always like, your yes is your yes, your no is your no. And I try to be as direct and as honest and as, as forthright as possible because it's so easy um, to use misinformation and lies and flattery and stuff like that to control people, mm -hmm. right? So like, if you want to keep somebody on your good side, you constantly compliment them, right? And then you kind of have that control over the relationship when they probably need some strong words and some correction and some um and some direction and some guidance and some coaching. Um, but if you want to just keep them under your kind of under your thumb, right? Like we're not honest with people. So that's you know, and and I mean, and we see this a lot, right? We see this in the ways that people are manipulated, right? When we especially we've already talked about abuse and things of that nature as well, because like lies are often used to convince people not to tell the truth, mm -hmm. right? Like if you tell anybody, no one's going to believe you, right? Or, you know, like, you know, or, or you know, if you tell somebody or, you, or scare people away from the truth, if you tell people, I'm going to like hurt your mom, right? And or then kill you. And then, um, like yeah. And then the, the worst part about any of this when it comes to the burden is that when, when we become trapped by the burden of the lies and the lies begin to control us, right? Because when we talk about, and we talked about those dueling realities, like sometimes we lie ourselves into a reality that now controls us if we don't repent and break free from it. Amen. Right. So like when, you know, when we're when we kind of tell a lie because we're trying to create, you know, and this, you know, especially when, you know, we and, you know, not 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 to hit on anybody that uses the term, but like fake it till you make it. Right. So like you're you're you can be using some deceptive or manipulative things to kind of create a facade right so you want you're creating a facade because of what you want people to see um but then you like that facade starts to control you <laughs> right because right? if if you pretending to be balling then when you're struggling you can't ask for help right if you if you you know and everybody talk hashtag relationship goals if you pretend that on social media that your marriage is fine when you're going through something, you can't talk to anybody about it, right? Like if you, you know, if, if your company's doing well and then all of a sudden you have a going out of business sale, then like nobody wants to support you. So it's like even projecting those false narratives and those false stories at time starts to get into a position where it's controlling you because now you're behind the wall of your own lies. And unless you tear it down, now it's become, it's basically become a, uh, it, it's just become a like a, a coffin for you. Concrete. Like it becomes a prison for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got anything? Else? I was just going to elaborate on what you're saying. Like, you know, if you're in this perfect relationship and, you know, he buys you everything and wines and dines you, but then is verbally abusive or even worse to you, then you can't, you know, be honest and saying, you know, you're, you're in a bad relationship because on Facebook, it looks like you're in this awesome relationship. 
you know what I mean? Or, you know, your kids are amazing. They never make any mistakes. And then when one winds up in jail or had a, have a drug charge, now you look silly because you've presented yourself as this in a different reality, uh, you know, one that you made up instead of us being transparent, which I think we all struggle with is saying like, like for me, for example, in my pantry, I, I have all these containers with labels on it because I like how it looks, but deep down I am unorganized. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to present this reality that um, I'm like Pinterest perfect because I'm not. Yeah, because there are no pictures of your pantry on social media. <laughs> because um, I am not I have been married to her for almost 15 life. years. <laughs> and this is in the 15th year, the biggest blessing I have ever seen. Because I am very organized. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't do the shopping. I don't do the cooking. So I just let her pantry be what it is. But the Lord has blessed me through her that <laughs> she now has bins. Um, not only in the cabinet, but she also bought bins for the kitchen. Like I almost took her on vacation when she I bought bins for the refrigerator. Like it I, wasn't that amazing. It was. It was. It's amazing to me because it's progress, right? But again, it's about being honest, right? It's about being um about being transparent. And I think one of the things that that um that that's making this worse when we talk about control is that it's very easy for us now to display the highlight reel of exactly. our lives. On social media stories because stories. In, in our stories right so you're in like whether we know it or not like you're painting a narrative to the public of what your life looks like and like most of us right aren't going to share anything negative and a lot of us a lot of our relationships or people who are who are um who are being informed about our lives are being informed by what's on social media um some of the people who know me and follow me on social media get kind of upset because you have no idea what's going on in my life. If you look at social media, I don't even use it. Um, I pay somebody to post up. So it'll be a vacation picture and people be like, oh, yeah, I enjoying your vacation. I'll be like, that was from three months ago. Um, but creating that narrative and, and having like these timelines, right? Like timelines are normally associated with stories, right? Then we're literally sharing our stories that are the, you know, the temporary things that last less than 24 hours. And there are these narratives but we even have to be mindful of that because we don't want to be projecting any level of perfection that then puts us in a position that now when we need to share something critical or when we, you know, when we want to reach out to people, then we realize that we've painted this picture and we've got this canvas in front of us, <laughs> right? That everything is well when behind that, um, you know, there, there's a need and there's, you know, there's, uh, there's fellowship, there's brokenness, there's, Stuff that um that stuff that needs to be to be taken care of. So I think that's another danger um in that narrative story as well, is that unintentionally, right? Like we just have a tendency to share the things that are positive. And I think whether we whether we know it or not, right, it makes it very difficult for us to share things that are negative and even a response to it, right? right you that's what I you was put down that you got a promotion and built a new and got, you know, we I, you know, I think the most viewed post I've ever had was we built the house. Um, you know, either time that we did it and it's hundreds of comments and a whole bunch of likes, but I put up there that like, you know, I got lupus and it's like two comments, but you know, you try to share things evenly, but even the way that people respond to what you share, like we automatically become accustomed to responding to the stuff that people are feeding off of and people don't tend to feed off of negativity. So it makes us kind of project things that are more positive and can put us in a position now where we, we don't share things that we're going through and we're not open and honest about those things because now that facade that's been presented is controlling us and we don't we don't want to come out from behind those masks that and have it, nothing to do with COVID. And it continues to control us because after you've finished painting this perfect picture and something goes wrong, now you're a prisoner because now you don't want to share when you should be sharing because then people can pray for you and help you walk through it. But again, it's just Satan just, uh, you know, sinking his teeth in even further. Yeah. And, the, and really even the whole sad. concept, right. Of confessing our sins to one another so that there may be healing. healing yes. Right. So that you, we want to be healed. And that's one of the ways that we grow in that honesty, right. That, that ability to be honest at what we feel 
like we we fail at what we feel like we're we're struggling with. I know that's one thing that's that's helped me in our marriage is that we can sit there and be like, I, we feel like we're struggling as parents. What do we need to do, right? I feel like I'm struggling as a husband, or we're struggling as um, as children to our parents, or whatever the case is. And being able to have that um, have that discussion without the exception that everything is, or without the um, the assumption and and the expectation that everything is fine, right? Just always be willing to be transparent and just confess weaknesses to one another yeah. so that there can be growth. I know. I remember just, I don't know, months ago, just telling you, I need leadership in certain areas in my life and being willing to, you know, be humble and say that uh, when you look like you got it all together, um, those moments were very transformative. I, I, might, I must say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You make me nicer. So uh balance me out as uh as pastor lisa says you're the you're the sugar so i guess i'm the spice i don't know what yeah you could be spice. i would counter i don't i don't really want to be well, spicy, cinnamon is a spice That's cinnamon is a spice and cinnamon is spicy <laughs> so <laughs> we love cinnamon um and, and we love you Sipper. and yes i mean cinnamon johnson not <laughs> the cinnamon cinnamon that's i do love cinnamon rolls but that's not what i'm talking about um <laughs> But yeah, so um, so then the, the third point, right? Um, that I'm that I'm gonna talk about is the third point is that lies corrupt memories. Mm. Lies corrupt memories. <laughs> Up and look, and cinnamon is on. Look at that. <laughs> she said, Wow, God bless you. Didn't even know you were here. See, <laughs> um, so yeah, lies corrupt memories. So when I talked about cognitive overhead, um, like the term cognitive load. Um, relates to the amount of information that working memory can hold at one time, right? So it's literally like how much are you know how much is 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 how much memory can you hold at one time? And I have this uh, this phrase, and I saw uh, Miss Joelle just chimed in from Tennessee. Yes, we are still live, uh, Joelle. So you can rewind later, but stay with us right now. Um, so. I, it's, a, it's a quote that I say to my mentees. I say it to my employees. Um, I say that people who tell the truth don't need good memories. And the reason I say that is working in service, right? I, you know, working in a, in a field where people are basically lending me their trust. And then I need to do what I say I'm going to do. When you get called to account for something, right? Like if you hemming and hawing and stammering like, well, what had happened was or Maybe like when you can't just be honest and someone says, okay, what were you doing? Right. Like, it's like if the, you know, everyone, if anyone's ever watched like first 48 or any of these police shows, right. It's kind of like, um, you know, um, the, the, watch a police show and it's like, well, what were you doing yesterday between two and three? And it's like, um, well, uh, like you should just be able to give an answer, right? Like it should just be what, what's in my memory. Like from what I recall, this is what I did because, if you haven't lied about where you were, right? Like if you have no need to lie about where you were um, and if you, and if what you did, you did in line with what the expectation is, or you did it from a, from a point of integrity and with a genuine heart, like you should always be able to tell the truth. And I, you know, like I said, working in service, when someone asked me like, what did you do to my system? How did you, how did you repair this? Like, I shouldn't have to try to think of a way to explain it that doesn't get me in trouble. Mm -hmm. I should just give the honest answer, right? Like this, you know, everybody who has children, you'll, you'll, you know, you're used to this. You walk into a room and something is broken. <laughs> and then you ask the question, how did it break? And don't nobody know. Don't nobody, like everybody's memory is gone now, right? Like now their memory is corrupted because they don't want to like, they don't want to give the honest answer of I saw this person or it got knocked down and it's because people fear the response to the truth. Amen. Right. And so if we're, if we're living in fear of the truth, that just, that just creates limitations on, on who we are and the things that we share. And it creates a burden on, it creates a burden. And it sets, the truth sets you free. It does. So it's unbelievable why we don't cling to the truth all the time. Yeah. And that is a good point. Yes, the truth sets you free. So, you know, that should have been the second point of, of the topic. So the burden of lies and the fact that the truth can set you free. Amen. Um, so in so in Proverbs, uh Proverbs 14, 5, it reads A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. 
So when we talk about corrupt memories, right, it's like also false witness. And so, right, and, and I'm, I don't know if I'm the only one that like, have like when someone has described someone to you before you got an opportunity to meet them. So like a lot of times this happens at work, right? So people be like, you know, cause, cause Debbie in human resources is just, you know, is, is a mess. Like she mean and like all of this other stuff. And what we don't realize is that that person is bearing witness to you. Right. And that witness can be true or that witness can be false. So if they're giving you a false witness, you're creating a memory of Debbie and human resources that can be completely false that you will carry through into your interactions with Debbie and human resources. Right. So now you don't like Debbie and human resources who you've never met. Exactly. You've got a negative perspective of Debbie from human resources, even though you've never talked to her and you're spreading that same narrative to other people. Mm -hmm. So when other people ask you about Debbie, you pass on that same witness from somebody who shared it with you. And then you have the situation where you got to go to HR because you got to do FMLA or maybe you're sick and you got to go to short do deal with short term disability. And then you finally meet Debbie from HR and she's a completely different person than the way that they <laughs> see Lakeisha chiming in. I know Lakeisha working work HR. HR. <laughs> you know, don't nobody like everybody got something to say about the HR, but you don't know. Right. And so finally, when you need to fill out FMLA paperwork or when your first child is born. And you, you know, and you and you do all of this stuff, and then you finally have to go interact with that person. It's actually hard for you to contend with the reality of who Debbie is because you've been carrying the memory and the idea of her based on a false witness. For example, you know, um, just from our 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 past and different, uh, I don't know, uh, demographics, I guess. In, church and stuff like that, you know, maybe sometimes we're the first African-American family some people have seen. But, you know, in the past, they were told, you know, that people of color are this way or, and, you know, they don't care about their families or the dad isn't there or whatever lie they were told. And then they come see us, they're confronted with the truth of what our family represents. And then they have to like, take a moment to kind of reconcile what they were told versus what they see. And it's really unfortunate that we allow Satan to, pro, I guess, prohibit us from really loving our neighbors, like to just to have an open, a, just an open mind when you meet somebody instead of taking on someone else's garbage or trash and how they are relaying that person to you. And then you can't help you know, but to come into that situation guarded or, um, you know, just thinking like in the situation with Debbie that she's going to be mean or short or have an attitude because of what the person has told you. And you just miss so many opportunities to really know people for yourself and love them first instead of them having to prove who they are. You should just love them first, period. Yeah. And I, and again, and I always talk about the 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 beautiful simplicity yet complexity of the things that Jesus taught when he's like, love your neighbor like yourself. Right. Because if we were loving our neighbor, like loving your neighbor requires you getting to know them. And like if we sit back and think. Right. And I want everybody who's here right now just to think how many think like how many people do you know where what you know about them? is only based on what you have heard or seen them themselves do, right? Like just them, like your perspective of this person is only based on what you have observed, what you have heard, and what you know for a person to do. I don't know anyone, like other than Jesus himself, and some people don't try to throw some stuff on Jesus I don't agree with, but like everybody, right? Everyone gives you an opinion so even when you're like, oh, you know, and, you know, and we were talking about this the other day. Everybody was like, oh, your wife is so sweet and she's so nice. And I'm like, she's all right. But it's like, like, I can't like, you know, like I haven't like that's just an opinion. But like even that, like what I know, what I know about my wife and as long as I've known her, like when I think of my wife, I still think of all the things that other people say about my wife. Okay. Right. Whether they've been good or bad in the past, they swirling. Uh, but. 
And I think it's the same thing. So like when you because you start taking all of this information, right, and you start comparing it and then you'll eliminate something that doesn't make sense. Right. As you gain new information. And I think that's why it's important to love our neighbor. Right. Because we're conditioned, first of all, to put people in boxes. That's why stereotyping is so easy. Right. We normally judge people within the first few seconds of when we meet them. I think it's actually to milliseconds now where we make an assumption about somebody that quickly, but to love them, right? To go past our neurology, to go past our um, like our, our laziness, to go past our flesh and to get to love people is actually more unlearning and, and, and removing all the false memories and assumptions about somebody and then replacing them with real experiences and genuine things, right? Like, you know, if you, you come across some, you know, and this is when, you know, you're out in public, you come across the person that's got a bunch of tattoos and, you know, gauges in their ears and a crazy hairstyle. Your mind already created a bunch of memories about that person, where they got the tattoos, why they're out here and they're so outlandish, but loving them, right? Like it, it cleanses those, it cleanses that, yeah, that like corruption that and that false memory. And it's like, as you love them, it's like, no, this person is sweet. This person is caring. This person is endearing. And then it starts to replace that until the point to where who you, your memory of this person, right? Like the information that you're storing on this person is all based on truth, not lies that the media tells you about minorities or people who live certain lifestyles, not lies that the media tells you about, you know, everyone that has this hot, this hobby or this habit or who follows this political party or that political party or this denomination or that denomination or this religion or that religion, like we're fighting against all of this false witness that we're fed in the media, in information and in these expectations um, that can be contrary to the people that we interact with. So we, because of these things, right, these memories that we have that are corrupted, that if we're not challenging those, and if we stay in kind of some of those stubborn patterns that have been burned in by stereotypes and things that we've um, that we've been fed, then we don't get the benefit of really loving people and um, loving our neighbor the way that God has called us to. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and even, even with that, just talking about witnesses, right? Like, you know, just another like fact, like, right. Research has found that like, I, you know, and not anyone who follows like law and order shows or whatever that like eyewitness testimony is unreliable. But one of the reasons is, is, you know, and a lot of researchers say, because it's the malleable nature of the human memory, right? Like the human memory can be, can be, it's, it's, you know, it's prone to, su to suggestion, mm -hmm. right? To like visual cues and be like, oh, did you see the person? Yeah, and, really you know, and that? all of this stuff. And so even, and I was talking to the, uh, to the chief of police and one of the other officers here, and they talk about how, like, when, if you see somebody that looks suspicious, like some people will just assume that they might have a weapon. They didn't see one, but like their eyewitness testimony is this person looks suspicious, looks like he's doing something wrong. I'm assuming that a criminal would have a gun. And then you're bearing false witness to the police saying you observed something you didn't actually see, even though in your mind you feel like it because you have this narrative of what criminals do which is probably not true. It's based on what you've seen on seen on TV or or like whatever has been kind of um, fed to you as well. So that that's just a, a difficult thing um, for, for people to deal with. And we've got to understand that, you know, we need to be, you know, looking at everything afresh and anew. Right. We've got to we've got to look at people um, with the with the eyes and with the and with the intent. Right. Looking at the heart like God does, like Christ yeah. does, like the spirit of God does. And not looking on the outside, because when we all look on the outside, our brains are going to make assumptions that are not Christ-like. Our flesh is going to make assumptions that are not Christ-like. But us moving forward in the command that God gave us to love our neighbor should make us move past that and then get to know people and then start unwinding and deconstructing these memories that we have of people in our minds. Right. I even you know think about things. I mean, I grew up without my father, but I grew up for years hearing things about my father, right? That um, that were not normally positive things about my father. So 
I had a perspective, right, of like I had an entire image of who my dad was. And then when I was, you know, probably 19 years old and actually got to meet my dad, it wasn't the same. Like he wasn't that person. Like he he was a different person, right? He, you know, I mean, we all have our issues and things, but like who he was presented to me as um, and like who he was projected to for multiple people, right? In his family and my family, um, they just were, they were, they just weren't the same. So as I get to know, as I got to know my father, as I still get to know my father. Um, and choose to love him. There's things that I understand that provide more that provide more insight into stuff. But and I'm and I'm sure that happens. I'm sure you know about yeah. some examples. I think I was just listening to an interview of someone saying how they grew up without their father, um, and you know they were told all these stories, narratives by their mother of um, I think it was somebody in your Patreon call about um, how their father made these choices and maybe wasn't there for them. Oh, yeah. But yep. you. You don't you don't necessarily know the truth. You won't know the truth unless you have a relationship and try to seek out your father. Um, that person would seek out their father and get to know him, like you said. Yeah. Um, and we see this sometimes when parents are going through a divorce, or you know, maybe they aren't married and they're not together anymore. Then, you know, a, a parent might bear false witness against. The, the, the other parent because they're hurt or they're broken because they're not in a relationship anymore. Things didn't work out how they wanted to. So since I'm mad at your dad, you know, you're going to be mad at your dad. And then yeah. now these new narratives are being put on that child's heart and now they don't have a relationship. Yeah. And it, and they stay there. Right. And then they follow those things through. So even if there's an opportunity in the future to, um, to, to, to challenge these corrupt memories with the truth. Um, like honestly, without the spirit of God, like without something that'll push you past um, those, flesh. those obstacles in that flesh that, you know, that kind of wants to, that wants to kind of protect what you know. Um, but it's like, we always have to be willing to, um, when we talk about the, the burden of lies and the things that kind of, the things that lies shape around us, right? Like lies that were told to us, lies that were told on us. Lies that were told about us, right? Like we have to be willing, um, and we have to kind of stay in the in the state where we have to be willing to face those things, um, and not be afraid of them, not run away from them, because um, because it's it's a it's a burden, right? It's a burden to everyone. But like my wife said, the truth will set you free, right? And the you know having the spirit of meekness and kindness and joy and self control is an absolute necessity, especially when, you know, when people are speaking ill um, of your name. I mean, that that's one thing I don't like. I don't like people speaking on my behalf. Like if somebody has a question for me, then ask me. Um, but that's also because I know that there aren't a lot of people who know me extremely well, right? So if someone's speaking on my behalf, right, one of my assumptions is, is you're probably not right. Because like my wife can probably answer that question for you. My best friend might be able to answer most of those questions for you. But other than that, um, there there are very few people, right, when we get down to it. And even for those of us who are married and people who have been in relationships for a long time, there are very, some, there are very few people who know you deeply and intently um, down at your true self, not what you, you know, you're vulnerable enough to, um, to present to the public, not what you're transparent enough for people to see, but like the genuine you. And I think a lot of times because we don't build the types of relationships that we should. We're always trying to gain information by proxy, right? We're always trying to gain information by proximity. I'm trying to get close enough so I can hear some things, but I'm not asking you directly. I want to know somebody who knows you so I can ask them a question. And that, you know, in the the, the best way to um, to build truth, the best way to build relationship um, is directly. And it's the same thing with Christ, right? Like that's why God ask us to repent, right? Not to just say we're sorry, but to put something down and be ready to move in the other direction, right? To be honest, right? Because to, to say you're sorry doesn't mean, but you know, but to repent, say I'm going to change um, and, you know, and say that, I'm, you know, and I'm not going to do it again is, is the kind of, is the kind of transparency that we, that we genuinely need. So that's, I mean, that's largely what I, I wanted to share. And the fact that, like I said, that is a, that is definitely a burden. Um, and I, so, yeah. I also want to add to 
2023 lies corrupt memories you know hate to keep using our kids for an example but Alyssa just took on this um, new um, sport swimming she's on a homeschool swimming team and the first day she was a little uh, anxious because you know in her mind she had prepared herself as to what um, it was going to be all about um, she's not really comfortable swimming in really deep water and we get to this pool and now we see 10 feet, nine feet of water and she gets really like nervous. And so despite, you know, all the things that were unknown, she had a great time at swim. Her coach was really awesome and encouraging and told her that she was an excellent swimmer. And so later on that night when it's time to go to bed, now she's all upset again because she is allowing um, the she's allowing like these lies to manifest like, oh, you know, I, I'm not doing a good job or, you know, you said that I don't have to be in do any of the meets. Um, but what if I have to, you know, and it's robbing her of her peace. Yeah. You know, she knows what the truth is, but the lies that she was telling herself were giving her so much anxiety and us as our parents are just trying to remind her of the truth. The truth is you're doing a great job swimming. The truth is this is something you wanted to do. And also you don't have to be in competitions unless you want to. And so you just got to keep at it. But you but you can speak lies to yourself that will corrupt your own memory. And, you know, that's just something we're walking through right now. But she's, she went to swim today and she did a good job. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And like you said, it's the it's the and, I, and, you know, and even, you know, we talk about with, you know, the um, the lies controlling and concentrating con creating control over us. Um, but that's I think that's the biggest burden of of the lie is when we lie to ourselves. Right. Like when we get to the point that it's hard for us to be honest with ourselves about what we're struggling with. Right. Because when we talk about repentance, when we talk about forgiveness, when we talk about relationship when we talk about community when we talk about unity um you know within the church within our families within our communities um the lies that we tell ourselves right that we're not you know that we're not sufficient right that mm. that I'm not you know I'm not like called into to ministry or you know like oh that's not that's not my job or I can't do that because I don't have the training and and I, you know, that's I'm me. not, that's you know, I'm not, I'm not the, I don't, I ain't go to seminary, so I can't pray for folk and, um, and do all of this other stuff. Like a lot of the lies, you know, that we tell ourselves because we are, you know, again, we're looking at maybe what someone told us, um, we were, what someone told us we were not compared to what God says we Amen. are. Um, so when we, when we talk about the truth and, you know, you know, we all, the you know, Bible talks about the, you know, how the spirit, um, the spirit of God reveals truth to us. Right. And so I think, a lot of times we got to we got to start evaluating the lies that we tell ourselves. Right. Like, you know, why do I feel like I can't do this? Why do I feel like I can't accomplish this? Why do I feel like um, I can't step out? And if I have um, if I have faith. Right. Like, where can I go? I see my, my sister, Maya. Right. We disqualify ourselves. Right. Like I'm not good enough for that. I was talking to my my my, my best friend about that. And I said, you know, I see people do this all the time when it comes to um, job applications. And I know my sister Maya is looking at jobs, but we'll look at jobs. Um, and, and I found, and to be honest, this is more prevalent amongst black folk. I've seen it. Um, but like black people will read a job description. And if you don't meet eight out of 10 requirements of that job description, we won't apply. We'll disqualify ourselves. But I know, I, you know, I have white friends that'll be like, I meet three out of the 10. So I'm gonna give it a shot. And I'm like, why? Why do we feel like we've got to be, you know, we got almost got to be overqualified, or I've got to check every box, um, and you know, and we're and we're good for saying that God qualifies the called, mm. but we don't often translate that into other areas of our lives, right? We don't we don't apply for supervisory positions that God may be giving us favor in. We don't apply, you know, for our kids to get into schools because we think they might not meet the GPA requ requirements or whatever, but. At the end of the day, like a lot of it is because we're so afraid of a no. Yeah. Right. And I and I remember and I know we've told our kids that before. And I mean, I had to get that in my own spirit that the worst thing somebody can tell you is no. And how how bad is a no other than other than not, you know, it's no or yes. Like, that's it. Um. So if we can't. <laughs> 
Maya's funny. Um, so if we can't, because if, if we can't face the no, right? Like that's why that's why we never get to a yes. Like the mm. no should not make you feel like you are like you don't um like you're not valued or you're not significant, right? No, it might be not now. No might mean that you know, like this isn't the opportunity, but you'll never get to a yes if you never apply. Right. Right. So, you know, I'm not in now, you know, I don't want nobody to take me out. So don't don't put this on like applying for stuff on your credit and then go apply at 12 different banks because the number of times people pull your credit affects your credit score. But but I'm talking about when you're when it's just a binary decision, because even sometimes you learn from your nose. Yeah. Right. And I just had this conversation with one of my directors today. Like a lot of times I want to give people an opportunity to interview, even if I know they might not get the job. Because I'm going to tell you why you didn't get the job. So I'm going to say, no, this isn't for you. But here are the areas where you can improve. Here are the things that you could do to get to the level. Here are the things you could do to be qualified, right? Some of us don't know the gaps that we have in qualifying because we never bother to ask, right? And out of the, the we might think we need 10 things to get there. And then when we, we manage to ask and go through the process, we might be missing one or two. And those one or two might be things that we know how to do. Easy things. Right? That are that are in our that, you know, things that God has given us as giftings that maybe we haven't used in a specific role or at a particular company, but it's there. And so I just again want to reiterate, like I've, you know, I don't, I'm not a I'm not a trained uh pastor, theologian, seminary um students, right? But yeah, like we we have to we have to apply ourselves and because my my theme for 2021, and I've told my wife, is like, I'm coming for mine. I'm coming for mine. So any, any, you know, I, I just got 100% disability with the VA. I'm applying for my veteran credit to my, um for what, to, for my, my property taxes. I'm getting my veteran plates on my car. Like anything that I am eligible for that is mine or anything that I might be eligible for that is mine, I'm coming for it, right? Because if the worst thing they can do if I apply is tell me no. And I'm no longer afraid of no's, right? Like, I'm, you know, like I have enough faith to know that what God wants to say yes to, nobody can change that. Amen. Right? So it doesn't matter if men say no, right? But at the end of the day, you're not going to get an answer if you don't bother to ask the question, if you don't bother to apply, if you don't bother to move into the direction of, of, of a solution and getting what you what you need. So that's my my closing thing is don't let the lie, don't let the lies you tell yourself stop you. Don't let the fear of 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 rejection stop you, right? Like that is a lie. Somebody telling you no does not mean you are less than. That is a lie. Somebody telling you no does not mean you're insignificant. Somebody telling you no does not mean you're rejected. Stop believing that. And we believe that a lot, right? And it keeps us from moving forward. So we need to be, see, I see Joel, hold on. Yes, he's applied to volunteer in the kids ministry and nervous because have to be observed for three weeks, right? It's like, just in that, be like, I don't, you don't want to do anything wrong, but you know, you're, you're, you're a great mom. And so I'm sure you will be great in the kids ministry. Um, So, and so that's the things we have to stop doing. And even we feel it, right? Like the, you know, what is it? Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the presence of fear, but moving forward anyway. Right. So like that, that, um, that, that spirit that God gives us, that peace that God gives us, right. Have, have peace with the no, just pray for that. Be like, God, I'm gonna apply, but I want you to give me complete peace if they turn me down. And, and that's, and that's what it is. And so we have to stay away from that. And I, and I agree, Minister Ave, that is big in our community. We need to, we need to overcome that. Like we have the victory. We have the father that is the giver of all good gifts. So the lie of somebody can take from you what God has for you. We need to overcome amen, that today. Amen. So in 2021, I want everybody to say it with me. I'm, I'm coming, coming for mine. mine. <laughs> I'm coming for mine. Whatever it is, you know, we, we talk about whatever the devil stole, even if he didn't steal it, it might be on layaway. I'm coming for mine either way. Um, but thank you all for, uh, for spending this time with us. This was great. Um, we really appreciate the, the engagement and the feedback here on the table talk as we're filling in for our first family. I even see Shandi um, was was chiming in with us here. We uh, we pray that you are that you are right. feeling better. Um, 
and that, you know, and if anything you need, just let us um, definitely just let us know. So uh, we appreciate the opportunity to be here to to serve the family um, when it's needed. But we look forward to you coming back and doing table talk. So um, so as we close out, so um, we're, you know, just to do the offering real quick. There are three ways to give if you like to support the ministry and the work that's being done here. Um, you can give via cash app. Just do dollar sign. I am victory GSO. Um, or you can text WVICC to 73256. Uh, you can also go to WVICC.org and there are ways for you to donate there as well. Um, if you are in need of prayer, if you need um, somebody to just connect with you, if you're looking for discipleship, if you're looking for a church home, um, even if you're remote, we love everybody everywhere. Um, so we're, we're just, we want to come alongside you, serve with you, get you involved in a life group, um, like get you connected, um, in community, in fellowship so that we can, we can walk in truth and just be encouraged in that. Um, and for that, all you have to do is to text WVICC connect to 94,94000. Just, uh, so that again, that's WVICC connect to 94000. So thank you. Uh, we thank you for joining us. Um, I will have my wife close us out um, in prayer as she started us in. And um, yeah, it's 2021. So let's let's get ready to come for ours because we got a lot of work to do in 2022 and we need all the ammunition we can get. So God bless you. Father God, we just thank you for this night. God of clarity, Lord, help us just to continue to search our hearts and just to tear down all the false narratives that we have in our lives. Lord God, all the false narratives and false witnesses that we've been bearing against other people, Lord God, help us, Lord God, to even tear down the lies that we tell ourselves that corrupt our own memories, Lord. Help us, Lord, to give everything to you. Help us to uh, confess our sins to one another so that we would be healed, Lord God, and that others would be impacted. And Father God, we just ask that you would um, continue to lift up the Stark family, Lord God. Wrap your arms around them. And as Pastor Shani said in the comments tonight, God, we are coming for what is ours, Lord God. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you all. We love you. And they keep asking who I am. I just tell them I'm a Christian. Occupation, a description. I just tell them I'm a Christian. Nationality, ethnicity. I tell them I'm a Christian. Keep the hyphens in division.